This morning, I want to share with you a message that's actually about a message. So this is going to be a message message. Maybe it is a, maybe it's a message about the story of a message. And maybe when you leave here, you can tell someone else the story about the message about the story of a message. Got that? This is, uh, we're going to read part of the Christmas story this morning, and it's just the story of a, of a message being delivered. But it's a very special message. It's a message that can bring something very special to anyone. It's not a happiness message, though. That would be good enough. A message that would make somebody happy is a good thing. But happiness is very temporary. And happiness um, comes and goes based on just what happens around us, like right away. For example, this afternoon, my boys and I will watch the Chiefs. If the Chiefs win, you know what will happen? We will be happy. <laughs> if the Chiefs lose, we won't be happy. That's how, that's how easy it is, right? My happiness can change based on what 20-year-olds do with a ball, right? It's crazy, really. But joy is not like that. This message is about joy. Joy is a little bit like stored happiness. For example, I have joy because I'm Rachel's husband. I have joy because I am Ike and Adelaide and Cedric's dad. That joy is not going away if the Chiefs lose this afternoon. Right? It's stored. It's more permanent. That's a little bit the difference between happiness and joy. And the message that we're going to read about today and study in this message is about joy. We're going to read, like I said, part of the traditional Christmas story where we pick up today. Jesus has already been born. The trip to Bethlehem has happened. There was no room in the inn. I don't, I don't want to give away the ending if you haven't heard this, but uh, there's no room in the inn, so they, they found a place where there were animals, and, then, and the Christ child, Jesus, was born. And that's where we pick up today. Um, Jesus has been born, wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a manger, and the scene changes to a pasture outside of Jerusalem. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom God is pleased. 
And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Verse 17. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as been told them. There's our story today. The scene opens um, immediately after Jesus' birth as Luke tells the story. We're out in a pasture outside a town and there are shepherds living out there keeping guard over their flock and it's at night. Now, Shepherds are just about the last people we should expect that God would give a special invitation to come and meet the newborn Jesus. Shepherds, uh, for the most part, were a separate, segregated, lower class uh, subset of first century Jewish society. Um, Jewish society centered, especially they must be near Jerusalem, definitely centered around the temple, a place they couldn't go. For one, their job kept them out. They lived out in the pastures, in the, in the hills. Uh, whenever they came to town, they, were, they, were too, they weren't clean enough to participate. But it's more than that. Um, when you think of these shepherds, you can't think of... Old Testament shepherding, like Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac, Jacob were shepherds. King David was a shepherd. Those were, those were uh, respectable family businesses like those of you who might raise livestock. By the first century, the guys that took care of sheep weren't like that. Um, they, were, they couldn't testify in court. Do you know that? You know Why? Because they were considered, they were stereotypically dishonest swindlers. And there was good reason. Stealing sheep was extremely common. Like grazing sheep on pastures they had no right to be on, using wells to water them they had no right to be at, was, was just common practice. So, which by the way, makes me believe Luke's gospel's authenticity more. That Luke has shepherds be special eyewitnesses to the birth of Jesus makes me believe this more because the, the reason these shepherds show up in Luke's account is because shepherds were there. Here's why I say that. If Luke were making up this story, there's no way he makes shepherds be his his early non-family eyewitnesses to the birth of Christ because they weren't trustworthy. This is God teaching us, preaching to us. I came for the lowest. I came for the worstest. He came for me. So Jesus has been born and these outcast um, 
unclean shepherds. They're out minding their business in some pasture somewhere. And suddenly, in verse 9, Luke says, uh, Behold, though it's not in this translation, Behold, check this out. This is unusual. An angel of the Lord stood before those shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So, an angel of the Lord appears to these shepherds. That would have been unusual and impressive enough, right? But there's way more in what happens to these guys. An angel of the Lord stands before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Do you know what the glory of the Lord is? It's been the glory of the Lord. If we would go backwards through our Bible from the gospel, the glory of the Lord has appeared multiple times in Israel. It's been hundreds and hundreds of years since it has, but it was on Mount Sinai. The glory of the Lord looks like light of some kind. On top of Mount Sinai, when Moses went and got the, the law, it looked like Moses said a consuming fire. In other words, a fire that would burn everything up. There was a pillar of fire that led Israel in the wilderness. That's the glory of the Lord. A couple of times, the Shekinah glory filled the temple. A couple of prophets had seen this. The glory of the Lord always looks like visible light. It's, it's always been seen from a distance. And it's been centuries and centuries since anybody's seen it. So check this out. There's some shepherds in a pasture and an angel shows up and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Pay attention to that word because this is not the angel that the glory of the Lord shines around. How many angels are we talking about at this point? There's one angel. The glory of the Lord isn't showing around the angel. The glory of the Lord is showing around the shepherds. So for really one of the first times in all of human history, there are human beings sort of inside the glory of the Lord. It's all around them. God's teaching us already. Whatever God's doing in this story, he's coming closer to human beings than, he used, than he's accustomed to coming, even in the old days. This is not one guy, Moses, up on a mountain and nobody can dare go up there or you'd be dead. This is like the most regular dudes in all of Israel inside and around the glory of the Lord. This is different. It's also apparently very scary. It's no wonder these guys respond the way they do by collectively wetting their shepherd pants. Okay. We read, somehow, whatever your English translation says, they were really scared, is what it says, right? They were terrified. Literally, what the Greek says is they feared a great fear. And the, the, the Greek word for great is the word mega. That shows up in English. You've heard the word mega, right? Um, they feared mega fear. Shepherds are not men who scare easily. 
Let's think about what these guys do for a living. They live out in the pastures and the hills, and their job is 24 hours a day to protect a herd of bait. Right? It is predator bait. And when their job is, when some sheep-eating critter, I don't know what they had, right? They had wolves, bears, lions, whatever it was, but when something showed up, their livelihood depending upon them, like chasing that thing away with, with sticks and rocks. These are, not, these are not guys who scared easily. Like if you went to Sunday school when you were little and they put the shepherd up on the felt board, right? He was a little, uh, very pale boy holding a little lamb. It's not what we're talking about. But these guys feared not just regular fear, mega fear. They were scared, scared. And I don't blame them. But the angel tells him in verse 10, it's not the time to be afraid. The angel says, do not be afraid. Well, why not? For behold, check this out. I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. Don't be afraid, guys. I know this is scary. I know nothing like this has ever happened to you before. But this is not the time for fear because I have a message that will turn your mega fear into mega joy. The angel says, I'm going to give you a message. That's why I titled this sermon, The Mega Joy Message. I didn't make that up. It's right there. The angel says, I'm going to tell you a message that will take your mega fear, turn it into mega joy. Now, joy, what's joy? Joy is already a little bit like mega happiness, right? We're talking about mega joy. So joy is already much greater than happiness. Whatever the joy is that comes from this message is mega joy. It's a kind of joy that will never, ever leave, no matter what happens in my life. And this, this mega joy message will be for all people. That must be some message, huh? Verse 11 is the mega joy message. This is the whole thing. It's 12 little words in Greek, and it's so simple. We've been hearing it our whole lives. Uh, usually, we know it uh, this way. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We've been reading that on Christmas cards our whole lives, most of us, right? Why is that the mega joy message? What's so special about those 12 little Greek words? Let's take a look at it. This is my, this is, I, this is from the DMV, the dumb Maxwell version of the Bible. This is my best uh, rendering to make this as simple as possible, this of the Greek, okay? Here's what makes this message so special. First, Starts with this word, today. This message, this mega joy message is about the Savior. 
Literally, the world has been waiting for a savior since the world has been a world. <laughs> Almost. If we would go back into Genesis chapter 3, right after the very first sin, God made his very first promise of a savior. So the world had been waiting for this savior, the serpent crushing, curse reversing savior since the Garden of Eden. And the angel says, today is the day. Today is the day the whole of creation has been waiting for. Next, the next great thing about this message that makes it the mega joy message is uh, a couple of words that we, we maybe skip over because again, this is so familiar to us, but don't miss this. Don't miss that the angel says to these shepherds, your savior has come today. There's one angel just talking to a group of, say, uh, of, of shepherds. Is Jesus the savior of the whole world? Yes. Is Jesus the king of Israel and the king of the world? Yes, but don't miss this. He came to be your savior. And that's what the angel tells these shepherds. This is going to be for all people. But today, your savior is born. And then the mind-blowing part. The angel gives this baby three titles in this message. Savior, Christ, and Lord. Now the Christ, or Messiah in Hebrew, the Christ is a royal title. It's a king that God had been promising Israel ever since there was an Israel. And that, that the Christ, the king, would be born in the city of David. That's, that would have made this a very special day and special occasion, absolutely, that today was the day. But that was promised ahead of time. Everybody knew someday the king was going to come. He was going to be born in Bethlehem because the Bible tells me so. The Old Testament promised. But there's something else here that if the shepherds would have had a chance, maybe they would have raised their hands and asked some questions about. Because do you know, always before this point in the Bible, do you know who the Savior and Lord of Israel was in the Bible? Always, always, always. He had a name. His name was Yahweh, like the God of Israel. We might call him God the Father. But like God, God, the big guy, the man upstairs, is Israel's Savior is the Lord. So check out what this angel just told these guys. God was just born. Would you have some questions? I mean, if, if I told you, hey, somebody just had a baby, they're in the hospital over here, they just had God, what would you say? Right? You'd... you'd I want to make some phone calls and have somebody come pay me a visit, right? It's crazy. It's either crazy or it's true. That's what this angel says. Don't be afraid, guys, because I got a message that's going to bring mega joy to all people. Here's the message. 
Today's the day the whole world has been waiting for. Your Savior, who is God and King, has been born. He's here. That's the message. Now, immediately after giving that mega joy message, the angel just assumes these guys are going to go check this baby out, so the angel gives them some directions, basically. So I'll give you a sign. Here's how you'll know you're looking at the right kid. When you find a regular-looking kid wrapped in cloths and lying in a feed bunk, you'll be looking at the right kid. That's how you know. They need that sign. You know why? Because Jesus didn't look like, like rays of light shooting from his eyeballs or anything like that. You know what he looked like? He looked like a little Jewish baby. You know why? Because he was a little Jewish baby. He was born like babies. He wasn't conceived like most babies, but he was born. Like babies get born. So the angel tells him, find a manger with a baby in it. You'll be looking at the right kid. Then, uh, I don't have it on the screen, but verse... Uh, um, oh. Then, before they can ask questions about, are you telling me God just got born? Before they can ask those questions, in verse 13, we read, Suddenly, a vast he heavenly army... Your, your Bible might say the heavenly host. Host is just a word for army. Suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the one angel. So now the one angel gets surrounded by lots and lots of angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom God is, is pleased. So one angel surrounded by an army of angels and they're, they're praising God. You know what that means? This means they're, talk, they're talking good about God. If you praise your child, what do you do? You talk good about your kid. Way to go. Right? They praise. This is way to go, God. Look at what you did. But they say glory to God in the highest. Like, this is too much. Like, this is, this is next level, what you just did, God. This has happened before in the Bible, too. We have at least one other place where the multitudes of angels sing about how awesome God is prior to this point. You know what it was? God tells us about it in Job. In the book of Job, God lets us know when it came, comes to this earth, the angels have literally seen it all. And in, in the book of Job, God tells us, he tells Job, when I like put this world together out of nothing, the angels sang and shouted for joy. They lost their minds. And today it happens again. Today when Jesus is born, these angels, they've just watched their creator and the creator of, of the heavens and the earth be born. And they lose their ever-living minds. Praising God. And these shepherds, for a moment, get to see it. And then as quickly as that all happened, it's gone. And they're standing out there in the dark, 
And this part, when I picture it in my mind's eye, is really funny to me. Because all of a sudden, they're just standing there after the, there was an angel, and he talked, and the army, and the praising, and the mega joy message, and then, poof, nothing. And I picture one of them looking to his buddies and goes, I think we should go see this kid. And the other ones go, uh-huh. And they go. And they rush to Bethlehem, and they ask, apparently they ask around. Anybody hear anything about a baby being born in a, laid in a feed bunk or something, and, and they find the place. And they walk in. Now, if you're the first family, right? You're Mary and Joseph. Here comes a bunch of shepherds. Now, hold on, boys. We're trying to, we're kind of having a private moment here. And also, this would be like, be like some, some street thugs walking in, right? You wouldn't trust them anyway. So there's got to be, there's got to be some fear, and, and what are you guys doing here, and what do you want? And we're told before this, they just recount the message like, hey, listen to what an ain't some angels, an angel told us. And they tell them the mega joy message, and an angel told us how to find you. And then we read their responses in verses 19 and 20. In verse 18, there's this, there's this Greek word, um, thalmazo, which means everybody there was just like uh, wondering in a way where they're kind of disturbed about like what is really going on here. This is heavy stuff. And then Mary, she treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. Here's the way I always pictured that my whole life. It always seemed to me like Mary was sitting in the corner, like taking notes, like to put this in the baby book someday or something like that. They were just treasuring all these things. People stopping by. It's so neat. I don't think at all that's what's going on. It had been at least nine months since Mary got her first visit from an angel to tell her about this baby. Then Joseph, a couple months later maybe, got a visit. And they had some information. And they knew this baby was, was placed in her by God. I'm not sure she knew her baby was God. And these angel, or these shepherds show up and tell her very clearly, that baby in you is Lord and Savior. And also, for Mary, this was a little private family secret. She and Joseph knew. John the Baptist's family knew. We don't have any other indication that anyone either knew or believed. And all of a sudden, some shepherds blow in the door with more information than we had. What is going on here? And the shepherds say, the angels tell us this is for this is for all people. So Mary might not be thinking, so you might not be the last ones to stop by. You're like, yeah, that's what we're telling you. And then the shepherds, 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for what they had heard and seen. You know what happens to the shepherds right there? They do the job of somebody else we've seen in this story already. Who's the last group of people we saw glorifying and praising God for what they'd seen and heard? The angels. The angels. You know what the word angel means? It just means messenger. The shepherds become like the angels. They don't become angels. They become like the angels. We have the message, and they leave talking good about God. That's what praising God means. Talking good about God because of what they have seen and heard God do in their lives. And that's the story of the shepherds. Now, where does that leave you and me? And why does this message bring mega joy to us? First, that baby that was born, would you say he is your savior? Have you ever made a decision that yes, Jesus is my savior? Yes or no? If the answer to that is yes, like he is for me, Jesus Christ is my savior. The only chance I have when I stand before God someday and he says, Matt Maxwell, I know everything you've done. Why should I let you in here instead of sending you to hell for all of eternity? You know, my only hope is that baby that was born was my savior. If that's true for you, then you and I are supposed to be like the shepherds who are like the angels. We have the message. We have the message, the mega joy message the rest of the world needs. We should be talking good about God. That's praising God. Well, what are we supposed to praise God about? All we have seen and heard him do in our lives and in the lives of others. That's our job. That's what we do with the message. If God would entrust that message to shepherds, well, you qualify. And if you, if you don't know how to answer that question, when I ask, is this baby who was born Savior, Christ, and Lord, is he your Savior? If you don't know how to answer that question for sure, I just want to encourage you. Um, that day, the story we just read is like the very first Christmas. That was the day that Jesus was born and, and for those shepherds, today, your Savior was born. Well, I want to let you know, today can be the day that Jesus becomes your Savior. What does that mean? Well, first you have to understand your greatest need is for a Savior. This life is really short and eternity is really long. And the Bible's really, really clear that the, the, the entrance requirement for eternal life is something called righteousness. You have to be good enough. And the bad news is none of us are good enough. We need to be rescued, saved from our unrighteousness. Jesus 
who is Christ and Lord, is that Savior. That's what Savior means. He saved us by living a perfect life so that when he came to the end of his life, he did not deserve punishment for even one sin because he never sinned one. And when Jesus went to the cross, what happened is he was standing in our place. He was receiving all of the punishment I deserve for my sin, you deserve for your sin. The wrath of God was poured out on him and he becomes the shield of those who will stand under him. It's just like the wrath of God was being poured out on sinful mankind and Jesus became the eclipse that stood in between the wrath of God and those who deserved it. Here's the mega joy message. Today can be the day that you have a savior. That you are saved. That you are rescued from the wrath you deserve for your sin. And I deserve for mine. And Jesus was absorbed on our behalf. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because one day, 2,000 years ago, was finally the day that your Savior, who is Christ and Lord, was born in the city of David. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the joy that can only come from knowing that we have a Savior, from placing our faith and trust in Christ. God, for those here who have never made that decision, I pray you would work in their hearts just between you and them. That they would ask Jesus to be their Savior. Thank you for your promise to forgive all of us who believe in Jesus, to save us, to rescue us from your wrath, which we deserve for our sin. And God, for the rest of us who know that message this Christmas season and, and moving forward, help us be like the shepherds who are like the angels. Help us to talk good about you and what you have done, chiefly what you have done by sending Christ to save us. We love you, Lord. In his name, we praise you. Amen. Would you stand and finish with us this morning? Thank you.